0: Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. I'm running double duty this morning, so I got to get my heart rate down for a second after playing drums. So, whew, just give me a second. All right. Happy New, year. Happy New Year. I know I did this at Christmas Eve, but come on. There's got to be some more energy. Let's go. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Wonderful. So much better. I cannot believe it's 2023 already. It feels like this year just flew by. I, I'm trying to even remember what the January 2022 even looked like because it came so fast, but we're here. We're already here at 2023. So as I was thinking about this new year, it made me think of all of the different new years that have happened in my life. And one of them stood out more than any other year that I can think of. Because on December 31st, 1999, the entire world stood still. There was like this giant deep breath before the plunge into this this crisis that was coming. Everyone knows, well, not everyone, it's crazy to think that some of you in here weren't there for it. Oh, I'm so sad for you. That fateful day, 23 years ago, the 2000 crisis was looming. And people pulled a COVID because they went and stockpiled everything that they possibly could waiting for those evil computers to stop. And for those of you that weren't there, what they were scared of was that the numbers couldn't, go to 2,000. They were worried that when it went to 2,000, everything would just blow up and shut down. That was Y2K. Isn't that great? Good old technology. So in fear that water was going to stop, we were all filling our bathtubs up. We were filling our sinks, just praying that the little water that we had was going to sustain us until there was a solution for that one number to flip over. And then we were getting as many candles as we possibly could because there was a potential that electricity wouldn't exist anymore. That's really what we were thinking. And so me, as an 11-year-old at that time, this was my thought process. I was like, oh, man, this is going to look like a house on the prairie or something, like a little house on the prairie. Am I going to have to wear, like, overalls and go out and, like, shovel manure now and we get a cow? That's where we're going to get our milk from? That's what I was thinking about. It wasn't like this this crisis the world was in. It was like, no, it's going to inconvenience me as a child because now I have to do hard labor. Anyway, I just want to share that with you. (laughs) So many of us at that time had the thought process to just seclude into our own little bubbles, preparing that we were about to do this on our own, that we were just waiting for the end. All of us just to watch that clock count down to midnight, And not one single thing happened. We're all like, it's tensing up and it's like, oh, wait, the computer was smart enough to, to have a number. Okay, cool. So even though Y2K is an extreme case of this, I think it's possible for us to be doing these same things today, going into another new year. Seeing that the world is broken, seeing all the problems that are happening, the potential for disaster that's out there in the world, we might go into the seclude into our own little bubble thought process, not wanting to deal with it, just hiding in our own Christian box of friends the the specific places we go to make sure that we're not out of our comfort zone so we don't have to worry about the rest of it. But when we dig into the Bible, we can see so clearly that we're not called to be lone wolf Christians. We're not called to be people who hide away from the world just waiting for the end. We're not called to stay in just the comfort of the four walls of a building because the church is not a building. It's the people. And we as the body of Christ are called to do so much more for each other and for the world around us. So in our extremely short time together opening the word, my prayer is that this would be a call to all of us coming into a new year to daily desire to love the Lord love our neighbor, and love our enemies. Even when it might be uncomfortable, even when it might be hard, even when it might be difficult to do it, taking the step out of that bubble for the sake of the king, for the sake of the body, and the sake of the gospel going out to the lost world. Knowing that we do have hope no matter how dark the future looks, We have hope in the gospel through Jesus' perfect life, death, resurrection, and ascension, knowing we have salvation if we put our faith and trust in what he did for us and hope that he is coming again. Next week, we're going to be starting our series in Luke, and it's titled The Gospel of Luke, The Upside-Down Kingdom. And we titled it this because we see so clearly Jesus' call to countercultural living. Which is what we are being called to today, walking into a new year. Knowing that Jesus, who established this upside-down kingdom, wants us to live upside-down lives in 2023. And for the rest of our time here on this planet, not just 2023. Loving God, loving our neighbor, and loving our enemy. God, we just want to thank you so much for this day. God, thank you for a new year. Thank you for sustaining us and providing for us, God. Thank you for loving us, God, even even though we don't deserve it. I pray this morning as we open your word, God, that you would just help us to see you more clearly. God, that you would help us to desire to love you, to love our neighbors. And to love our enemies, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, go ahead if you haven't, pull out your Bibles. There's some right in front of you. If you don't have one, and this morning we're going to be opening up to Matthew 22, 34 through 40. Matthew 22, 34 through 40. It's the very first book in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Comes right after Malachi. Matthew 22, 34, 34, he says this. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So this lawyer... He was trying to trap Jesus. He was trying to trap him with a question that he thought was going to reveal that Jesus is a false teacher. And he asked the question, "Okay, Jesus, what is the greatest command? And Jesus immediately answers with the cornerstone of the way that we should live as followers of Jesus. The foundation of everything, which is love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind and strength. Knowing what the Father gave up for us. Knowing what Jesus came to do and did for us. And what the Holy Spirit does for us. With the hope of the return of the King, we're called to love God with our whole being. And from this love, everything else flows. Leading to the second point that Jesus is making. Love your neighbor as yourself. So at that time... A neighbor, according to the Pharisees and the people like this lawyer Jesus was talking to, they thought a neighbor was the religious elite. They thought a neighbor was the ones that were good enough for God, that they thought were good enough for God. A neighbor to them would never be a dirty Gentile sinner. But Jesus bringing the upside down kingdom to play is showing that a neighbor is not just those in the inner circle. It's not just the holy people living life like us in our closed-off Christian bubble. Jesus is pointing out that on the cornerstone of loving God, who made life possible, we're to love everyone. Stepping out of our comfort zone, living life honoring Christ by, honoring, by loving others. Honoring Christ by loving others. And loving them as we love ourselves. Loving the rest of the world the way we love our fellow brothers and sisters. Loving God, the only one worthy of praise, and love your neighbor who is your brother and sister in Christ, but also everyone else around you. Taking us to the next brick in this wall that builds off of both of these. And hopefully is going to continue to inform the way that we live out this next year. Individually, but not just individually, but as a church as well taking us to Matthew 5:43 through 48. Let's flip backwards a few chapters. Matthew 5:43 through 48. It says this. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Love your neighbor. And then this one right here, I think is one of the hardest commands in all of Scripture. And that is love your enemy. Jesus is calling us to live life outside of our normal circle, but not just outside of it. Not just stepping our toe out of it. Entering in to this world by loving those who persecute us. Showing the world the love of Christ by living the upside-down life. living counterculturally to what the rest of the world does. And by living this way, we show God's love, we show neighborly love and pray that our enemies see this love and want to know more about this Jesus that saves the lost. In no way am I saying this is easy. Like I said before, this is, this is so difficult. This actually took me a second to, to think, it made me think about all, all the people in my life that have hurt me. And if I, I myself have been truly living this out, this command that Jesus has given us, realizing that even though in my head I might think I have, in my heart in some ways I haven't. I know I've shared my story a, a couple times, but for those of you that haven't heard it, just a slight recap. When I was eight, my parents got divorced. My dad cheated on my mom. And then my biological dad went. And he went to just a spiral. He became an alcoholic. He became abusive. You name it. He just went completely off the deep end. And my brother and I were still required to go to his house. No one knew what was happening. We just kept it a secret. And so I had all of these things bottled up inside. And I had... Zero forgiveness in my heart for this man. Zero. Up until a few years ago, God was sincerely convicting me about this. And I found out that he had drank himself into almost, he had drank himself almost to death. He had put himself into a coma of sorts that he was waking in and out of. And he couldn't remember much. And so I decided, that I was going to go see him, and I wanted to share the gospel with him one more time. So my brother and I went in. I just, wanted, I just wanted some kind of repentance from him, something, and he gave me nothing because all he could remember was my brother's fifth birthday party. He thought we were at Chuck E. Cheese, and so there was like this, this rage that was still in me of lack of forgiveness, but I tried so hard, and I was like, I know forgiveness isn't a one-day thing. It's not a one-time thing, but, but God, please help me, and by his grace, I was able to forgive him fast forward to a few months ago. I found out that somehow magically, not magically, I'll say by God's grace, he got better. And he was able to leave the hospital. But the first thing he did was start drinking again. And not just start drinking again, he got abusive with his wife. He went to jail again. he all of these things. And so I felt this, this anger and this rage and this lack of forgiveness start building up with me, in me again. And then as I was going through this, this was like a slap in the face of, man, it shouldn't be a lack of forgiveness in my heart for this man. It should be sadness that he doesn't have a relationship with the Lord, that he needs Jesus. How is he ever going to change if he doesn't have a relationship with Jesus? And so this hit me, it struck me, as we are stepping into this new year, a desire with our enemies not to hate, but to love them for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of Jesus going forward, knowing the only way that they're going to change is with a relationship with Christ. So as we enter into 2023, knowing that the world is difficult, knowing that there's pain, knowing there's hardship, knowing sometimes it can be easier just to hide, Trying to just survive on our own, living out Y2K. I pray that you would ponder these verses and think about them daily as we go into the new year. Thinking through how we can best honor the Lord with our lives coming into 2023, with the ultimate heart and desire to remind ourselves of the hope that we have in Christ. Reminding our brothers and sisters in Christ about the hope that sometimes we can forget because of these trials because of our enemies, because of the pain. Or maybe it's just the day-to-day life. We're forgetting about it. We need to be encouraging each other through the good and the bad, sharing the hope with our neighbors, with the world around us, with the difference, sharing the hope with our enemies that need Jesus as much as we do. Loving God, loving our neighbor, and loving our enemy. Let's together, as the body of Christ, step up and step out. This church family being marked as people that love Jesus and love people. Not just behind four walls, but to the world around us. So at this time, we have the privilege of hearing some testimonies of what God has done in this past year and a couple of people's lives. Bringing us again to this beautiful reminder of this hope that we have in Christ. And the love of God that holds us and sustains us no matter what year it is. So at this time, I want to ask Danny and Rebecca O'Brien to head up here. Where'd they go? Oh, there they are. Hi, Danny. Hi, Rebecca. And I'm excited to hear what it is God has been doing in their life, reminding us of the hope we have in Him.
1: Good morning.
2: Good morning. Um, so we thought we'd go kind of chronologically cause that was an easy way to think about what God has done for us this year. Um, it started off in January. I was 40 weeks pregnant and Danny got diagnosed with COVID. Um, and I went into labor and, um, we were like, okay, you know, Danny's going to have to drop me off at the hospital and I'm going to have to do this alone. Um, he's not going to get to be there. Um, But God used the right attendant at the hospital and some very gracious nurses, and they quarantined him with me, um, and he was able to be there um, when she was born. Um, He protected Natalie from getting sick that first week, even when I got sick, Um, and our church family at the time took incredible care of us um, during that time, and we named her Natalie Grace, um, largely because of the grace that God showed us that time. Um, We didn't deserve to have a healthy baby. We didn't deserve... To have Danny there, Um, it was all grace. It was all a gift of God. Um, I think I went into it thinking, like, oh, we deserve this. We deserve to have, like, a good birth. We deserve to have all these things. Um, And it was just a picture of God's grace um, to us and the gift of his son, that he would give us these gifts that we didn't deserve.
1: Kind of transitioning into (coughs) my job situation, some of you know that um, I spent approximately seven years uh, in Law enforcement. It wasn't until the fall of 21 that we decided to uh, make some changes, but essentially I joined the police force because I wanted to use my gifts to honor God, to glorify Him, and to protect the innocent with my passion for justice. Once Rebecca and I were married, we found that I had to work weekends, holidays, I had to make sacrifices for our family. Found ourselves pulling into random parking lots at about seven. 7.30 7.30 in the morning, we would have about five minutes to say hello and goodbye, and that was how our mar- the first year of our marriage went. Um, you can imagine that working shift work, 12-hour shifts overnight, I had nothing left for God. I had nothing left, certainly for my wife, either. So instead of using, wanting to use my gifts in law enforcement, God showed us both the grace um, with a deeper understanding of the beauty of the gospel, that he gave us everything so that we could have everything in him. Praise God that we are no longer a slave to our sins. We have true saving faith, uh, which grow, continues to grow in our walk with Christ. And you know, praise God that we can continue to live in that and produce fruits of his harvest. We found that we can glorify and honor God in any job, doesn't matter, whether it be law enforcement or a janitor, but being an ambassador for him to our children. Me being a husband of one wife, pleasing him through being a godly husband, striving to be a good father with a pure heart and stepping into our desire to serve our community, our church, our Savior, right where we're planted. In our hearts, we know how much more that we can honor and glorify God in that.
2: Um, So then after we made that change, um, this past summer, God continued to provide for us. He brought us back here. Um, We'd actually come here for a little while last year um, because the Saturday evening service during COVID worked with night shift. Um, But we decided to stay at our church in Greeley in that point. Um, But then this year, we really, um, it was a pretty painful process. We realized our church, our old church, um, was no longer really preaching sin. Um, And we felt really strongly and still do that um, we needed to be someplace that was preaching even the really hard to hear parts of the gospel um, that we are sinners who need a savior and that savior is Jesus. Um, so we came back here for a visit and we were like, we're going to try a couple churches. And we got in the car to leave and Danny looked at me and he's like, we're not trying any other churches, are we? And I was like, no, this is it. Um, and that in itself was a huge grace because it was to have like-mindedness in a decision like that for our family was just a huge blessing. um, Since then, we've gotten plugged in with the Atherton community group. Um, We've already seen God at work there, which has been really encouraging. Um, And we're excited to continue serving and being part of that community and fellowshipping with all of you in 23.
1: Yeah, ultimately, we just want to thank uh, this church so much for just welcoming us with with open arms. And um, we have such a heart for uh, the Athertons and what God is doing um, through them with some of these younger People and you know, granted, there are many other people in this church that God is using, um, but for us, we just feel grateful that we can have um, a more spiritually mature couple to kind of walk with us um, and do life uh, more intimately with us. That's what we have craved, and um, you know, God has just set in motion for us and renewed this desire for us to both share the gospel and love His church right here in Windsor, Colorado. So this church has really been a catalyst for us, and uh, we we're very excited for, what's God, for what God is doing and what He is going to continue doing in 23. Thank you guys so much.
0: Thank you, O'Brien's. appreciate it. It's not awesome. God's so good. This time I'd like to ask Carol Simmons to head on up here and she is going to share her testimony for this last year and what God has done in her life.
3: Stephen. My life has been filled with so many blessings this year. Thank you for allowing me to share some of them with you. My life was pretty normal until late June when I had COVID from which I recovered quickly and uneventfully. Praise God. In mid July, my son Kevin, daughter in law Desiree, and granddaughter Hannah and I traveled to Phuket, Thailand for Hannah's twin brother Caleb's wedding to sweet Evelyn, whom we already knew and loved. It was a destination wedding and was monsoon season. And during the week we were there before the wedding, it rained mostly at night while the days were sunny and beautiful with friends and family spending hours in the pools each day. The wedding was planned to be out on the grass at 5 p.m. with the ocean as a backdrop. It rained heavily all that morning and uh, about 1:30, when it was clear the man setting up the floral arch and the chairs called Caleb to say a storm was predicted, and he recommended uh, moving the wedding inside. Caleb called Evelyn, who said, Caleb, do you really think that God would bring us halfway around the world and let it rain on our wedding? So they prayed and called the man back and said continue setting up so it was clear all afternoon the wedding was brief and after a few photos at 5 p.m. the skies opened up with a torrent of rain that caused Caleb to cover Evelyn with a large umbrella as we all rushed inside where the wedding reception was to be held. Caleb later posted all this detail on his Facebook page, a testimony to their faith and God's faithfulness. I know the elderly are uh, often accused of being so absorbed with their own uh, illnesses but in the last half of this year, I have had more health challenges than I probably have in the last five years combined. Uh, the, the first problem that occurred in August was a scalp problem that was puzzling and treated twice with antibiotics. When finally seen by a dermatologist on October 6th, he immediately made the correct diagnosis and began successful treatment that was completed in mid-December. On Saturday, November 5th, I had a major vision loss in my left eye. And on Monday morning, when I called my eye doctor, he was able to see me at 4 p.m. the same day. After a a series of tests, it was shown that I had a large upper outer quadrant field defect. I was blind in that uh, portion of my vision and uh, uh, he ordered some lab tests and referred me to a colleague in Greeley. fearing that this was due to temple arteritis, which can cause blindness in both eyes. Thankfully, this location interferes very little with my vision because we're mainly looking straight ahead or down, very rarely looking up and out. So that's a blessing. He ordered the lab test, maximum dose steroids, and and sent me to Greeley. And when seen there, the lab tests were all normal. I had no headaches and no tenderness over the temple arteries. So my diagnosis was changed from this terrible arteritis to glaucoma, which is fully treatable, another huge blessing. On November 15th, I had an ugly medical event that left me walking very cautiously, terrified to think about trying to drive and wondering if the changes might be permanent and life altering, I might never be able to drive. And when I saw my physician after hours, two days later, he diagnosed an asymptomatic urinary urinary tract infection which he said, Creates chaos in the elderly, and that when treated, I would get my life back, which happened. Praise God. Meanwhile, uh, with Kevin, Desiree, and Hannah away for Thanksgiving, I joined my local family and about 15 uh, adults uh, with visitors. Uh, for our Thanksgiving meal. In answer to my prayer, God gave me the courage to share a family tradition. I asked each person there to say what they were thankful for, which really is the purpose of Thanksgiving. And finally, I stated that I'm thankful for good health. The recent decision of my eight-year-old great-grandson to invite Christ into his life, and that by grace, through faith in Jesus, I now have eternal life and the expectation of living in his presence forever when my life here ends. Then I invited any who do not have that assurance to believe in him for salvation from their sins. I'm also rejoicing with my 84-year-old brother, Hugh, who lives in Texas, for God's protection and provision. About two or three months ago, he went to his primary care doctor and was found to have a blood pressure of 80 over 50 with a pulse of 22. He was immediately sent to the ER where he was observed several hours and sent home to monitor his pressure and pulse. On October 31st, his cardiologist did a heart catheterization, placing stents into multiple locations and finding his aortic valve damaged. uh, He recommended a cardiac surgeon be consulted. Uh, This surgeon recommended bypass surgery to further improve blood flow. This was scheduled promptly, and he has had a miraculous recovery with health now fully restored. Praise our gracious Lord. In the last two weeks, I've been ill with a A serious respiratory infection that caused me to miss the Christmas Eve services, uh, which I uh, was able to watch online, and my local extended family's Christmas Day gathering. On Monday, I called my doctor and was put on antibiotics, and after six days of treatment now, uh, I am essentially well since Kevin and Desiree, uh, with whom I live, were to be out of town for several days over this weekend. My sister uh, Kay from uh, West Texas called me about 9 p.m. on Tuesday evening and said I'm about three hours away. And uh, she arrived in the middle of the night Wednesday to take care of me in their absence. So I'm just full of praise and thanksgiving for all God's blessings and kindness to me this year. Thank you.